Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Hey guys, welcome back. Happy Wednesday. Another week, another show. Hope you're doing okay. Hope you're staying safe and sane while we continue to try to socially isolate. My guest this week is Faith Bowles. Faith is an actress and a singer and a funny lady and a big-time musical theater performer and just a super, super talented, fun gal. And I'm really glad I was able to get her on the show. Uh, Before we start, I do need to say the sound quality is pretty bad. And that is 100% my fault, my screw-up. And I apologize in advance. It's that thing of where the technology is different because I'm recording the show over Zoom and Skype and I messed up with the input. So it is recording from the audio microphone part of my cheap $10 earbuds and not my beautiful professional quality podcasting microphone. So Faith's side of the conversation sounds pretty good. My side of the conversation is pretty muffled. I hope you can understand it. I hope if you keep listening, you get used to it maybe, but uh, it just, it pains me that I didn't capture this clearer uh, because Faith was a great guest and it was a great show and I really want you to hear it and I hope you are able to understand it and enjoy it. So Faith and I watched season five, episode four called Just My Bill and the original air date was October 12th of 1983. So I think we're ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts with Faith Bowles. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from the beautiful state of Georgia, land of open hair salons and functioning bowling alleys, it's Faith Bowles. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Woohoo! Indeed. I'm so happy to get you on the show. And, And it's awesome that we're in this quarantine-like state where people can't make excuses now to not uh, hop on Skype and talk to me. So I'm like, yay, captive audience. It's either that or drive to someone's driveway and wave through from a distance. I mean, it's, it's, it's one yeah. or the other, really. Yeah. <laughs> but we were just talking about the fact that you decided to just pop up and visit your family up in Georgia at the beginning of this alleged two-week period that our work at the theme parks was going to be shut down. And how long has it been? How long have we been in this place? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I came up to see my parents um, in Georgia to for a friend's uh, bachelorette party, and right. it turned yeah. in, turned into two months because while I was here, we got word that the parks were going to be closed for their notice, and so I was like, oh, I'll just stay here and visit my family because you know, as performers, we don't ever get a chance to really oh, yeah. spend a lot of time you know, with, with our family as much as we want to. So I'm trying to take advantage of this time and, and try to do positive things, you know, as far as that is concerned. So it's that, that part has been nice. Yeah. But two months later, a two week trip that has turned into two months plus. Yes. And, uh, but you were, you were saying that you enjoy your family being back with your parents. That's all good. 
it's not. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm very close with them. I mean, I've been doing more laundry because I only brought two weeks worth of clothes, but, <laughs> but besides that, um, that, yes, it's, it's been wonderful. It really, really has. That so, sounds to yeah. me like an opportunity to hop on the interwebs and order a new wardrobe. <laughs> I, I know a nice little summer bathing suit and all the things <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm, and you know what? I actually, I am going to do that right after I lose those 20 pounds that I've been carrying for the last two years that I keep saying <laughs> I'm going to lose. <laughs> and I haven't lost because I've been eating homemade cookie dough for two months now. Ooh, that sounds lovely. Mm. <laughs> oh, I wish I were a lousy baker. Sadly, I'm a fantastic baker. I remember those brownies you used to make and you would bring them uh, to work. And oh my mm. gosh, they were so good. Mm. Yes. Normally I give, <laughs> I give people brownies sort of as quote unquote payment for being on my show and all that. So <laughs> remind me when we get back, I typically make a big batch around the holidays. So let's cross our fingers that everything is normal-ish and we're both here in Orlando and that, uh, and remind me that uh, I, I owe you a, a little batch of them. I will gladly remind you, and I will gladly eat the whole batch. <laughs> At a girl. Well, Faith, you and I separately have watched season five, episode four of The Facts of Life, entitled Just My Bill. And the original air date was October 12th of 1983. That's a long time ago. Uh, tell me, before we actually get started, get started, you are quite a bit younger than I am. You do not need to divulge your age, but uh, did you watch Facts of Life growing up in any form? Um, I watched a little bit of it. Um, I grew up in the Nick at Night TV Land era, mm -hmm. um, and, so, and also because of my parents being in their age bracket, um, I knew what the Facts of Life were, uh, was um, because of them but also because of just the joys of having reruns, you know, on, mm -hmm. on TV land and things. So I did watch it. I was not, I'm not a facts of life connoisseur. Um, mm -hmm. I'm more of a, I love Lucy, um, a bewitched type of uh, person as far as the history and know the actors really well. Um, uh -huh. But of course I know it because of course I know facts like because of Kim Fields, come on. She was one of the first, you know, black, <laughs> children child stars i mean you know that was a thing you know so, oh yeah absolutely yeah. and and as an african-american uh female uh, aspiring did you want to be an actress when you were young when was that oh, a thing uh, oh yes absolutely yeah so you would have looked at a kim fields and been like me i want that oh yeah and, and i think that was kind of what made me know what uh facts of life was was because i was like oh my gosh who's this girl person of color on this show with all these other white girls like what is this you know so of course i was like oh I'm, okay and so I, I watched a few episodes for sure so yeah i mean i i she was definitely an inspiration as far as that is concerned i did wonder about that because uh kim fields has said in interviews that so many times uh women of color come up to her and say the thing is tootie was treated like an equal to the others she was just yes. another student and her blackness was not uh, actual targeted subject matter other than just a handful of episodes. It was really cool that they treated her the same, you know, it wasn't yeah. like less than. 
Um, and I, I think that's also why I enjoyed her in the show too. And she also had the best one-liners. I mean, come on, like she, <laughs> she had some of the best comedic one-liners. It was yeah. great. <laughs> well, she was one of the most experienced when she came to the show of all the girls and she was only 10. And, I know. Uh, yeah. So no, she had her, she had her chips and her chops already in full, uh, full bloom, uh, even though she was so young. Uh, so before we get into the sort of more microscopic dissection of the plot and analysis of the story, uh, I always like to ask my guests if you would please, for the sake of our listening audience, for those who may not have actually watched the episode, can you give us just a one to two sentence, briefest of brief synopses of the episode, similar to what you might see in a TV guide listing? Uh, young tomboy dates rich jock, I think is what I would say. I don't, I don't want to give too much away. I want people to okay. like, I want people to watch it, you know? Oh, like, right. That's it. That's <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to show your hand in the TV guide listing. Like, yeah. Every sitcom listing, but thankfully everything all turns out all right. It's like, no, right. no, no, we don't want to know that. We want to think it might fly apart and blow up. So, no, that was great. That's fantastic. Now, at this point in the show, we can't even start on the episode until we discuss the theme song. You're probably not aware of this, Faith, but this show has many different forms and formats. And we were for a time at the Eastland School for Girls. That was the first four seasons. And now here we are in season five. And only just a couple of weeks ago did we transition into this format of the show where Mrs. Garrett has her own gourmet food store, bakery, catering service with the girls living and working there under her roof while Blair and Joe go to college. Tootie and Natalie are still commuting to Eastland. But this is, this is still brand new. We're not even, uh, this is the fourth week that we have this. So it's very new. And as a result, the theme song is all brand spanking new. Oh, interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, in the first three episodes, because they were still uh, laying the groundwork, we still had the old theme song. And it's the same song. I'm sorry, I should be more clear. Same theme song, uh, but it's all different clips. And we used to start with the same clip of the background of the Eastland School for Girls, and all of the clips of the actresses were while they were in the school seasons. Well, this now, at this point, the background of the title card is now the food store. It's now Edna's Edibles. And when we see the clips of the girls, only one or two of them are still from the Eastland years. Everything else is new. This was, this was a revelation because we're four episodes in. You typically see a new theme song set of clips at the beginning of a season. Well, now we're four episodes in. Everything has changed. This is shit just is like blew your mind if you are young David in 1983. <laughs> well, they're growing up, you know, they're, they're becoming of age and yeah. they have to show that. <laughs> now in the theme song, also with all the new amazing things that you can hear the joy in my voice, we also have an unwelcome new thing. This new character that we've never seen before the young character of, we haven't learned her name yet, but she's called Kelly. And it's played by a young actress named Pamela Siegel. And did you recognize her? Do you know who she is? 
I, she looked familiar to me and I was like, how do I know her? And I could not place her in my brain, but I know you're going to tell me. So you tell me. <laughs> Thank you for, for having <laughs> the, the, trusting in me. Uh, she now goes by the name Pamela Adlon. Okay. Pamela Adlon is not only the voice of the son on King of the Hill, which she did for the better part of a decade. I want to say King of the Hill ran a good 10. It was a long show. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But she also has her own show that's currently running right now on FX and it's called Better Things. Okay. Okay. Yes. And it's it all is, full circle. Yeah, okay. All, for all intents and purposes, it is the female version of Louie. The show is created <laughs> by her and Louis C.K. And it is a similar premise where it's now instead of a single dad, it's a single mom raising three daughters. And her profession is, instead of Louie, who is a stand-up comic playing a stand-up comic, she is an actress and voiceover artist playing an actress and voiceover artist. So we also get a little bit more, a little more Hollywoody type of stuff going on. Yes, uh-huh. Um, um, and it's really good. And the show is still currently running. It's had, I think it's in, it's about to be in its fourth season that starts in okay. the fall. But they are all on the Hulu, if anyone cares to watch. And they're really good. If you were a fan of Louie, and uh, Louis the show, not Louis the person, which I know has a lot of baggage with it right now. But, uh, <laughs> but the show created by her and Louis, it's you, it's very much cut of that same cloth, and it's and it's really fun and awesome and touching and um, and good for her. She's still out there. She is still making content. But back to this little shitty thirteen-year-old version of this. <laughs> Uh oh, I, I, I feel like you have opinions about this, uh, mm, David. Mm, mm, <laughs> mm, mm. I, yeah, I am not having it. David is the, not having I, I'm, it. I'm literally I'm watching David right now through Zoom, and his finger is up, and his neck is going back and forth, and he's giving me <laughs> attitude, and you, he, he is not happy. <laughs> you bring out the sassy in me, Faith. That's what it is. But I am not having it. This is the beginning of the years where the producers of the Facts of Life are afraid that the girls are getting too old. Kim Fields, the baby, is 15, but she's playing 17. And she's about, to, she's a sophomore in high school, and they're afraid, oh my God, it's a show about kids, and we don't have any kids. It's like the, the Little House on the Prairie. Oh, holy crap, they have to adopt 57 orphans. <laughs> and so this is the first of several younger characters who are going to be introduced to the show over the years. And... Uh, none of them really, the only one that sticks is uh, in the role of Andy, it's Mackenzie Aston. That's not till season six, that's next year when we're going to meet him. But as far as the younger girls, they've made various attempts to try and pad the cast, and none of them stuck, because none of them were very good. And I hated that, my beautiful new theme song with all my beautiful new clips from the beautiful new season had to have that in there, that reminder that, oh, God, they're so oh, what God. you're saying is you, you can't deal with change. <laughs> is, I, that, is that what you're saying, David? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a very flexible, go-with-the-flow person, as long as you don't change anything. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it's, you know, the longevity of the show is the four characters. Blair, Joe, Tootie, Natalie, and Mrs. Garrett as the center of the nucleus of all of this. And the fact that anybody looked at this and said, this needs something else. There's, you know, it needs, 
this is broken and it needs fixing or enhancing. It's like, no, it's been great for the last three seasons when we finally locked into these archetypes and these characters. So I am, yeah, not happy. I really thought we would get a little bit of a respite before they would start throwing that shit at us. And um, <laughs> If it's not we'll, broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, t but the way TV and TV producers and networks are, if it ain't broke, break it. Mm -hmm. is often what the, what the philosophy is. So I think we're ready to get going and get started with synopsizing this episode. As I okay. said, you have any thoughts or feels that you need to felt about anything, stop me along the way. But we start in the living room, which is the house that is in mm -hmm. back of the bakery. And uh, we have Joe in the dark with a guy. Ooh. And there are many who have speculated whether Joe had any interest in guys at all. You know what? I wasn't going to say that, but you brought it up. And <laughs> I, I, I always, I, again, you know, I was in the facts of life connoisseur mm -hmm. as you, Mr. Almeida. But I always questioned, I was like, I don't think that she likes boys. I just, I never, I, I you know, I was very shocked <laughs> to see her with a guy. But, you know. It's all good. It's uh, all good. <laughs> it, it is. Your, your southern twang is just beautiful. That's like the, the nicest lady at the church. <laughs> oh, oh, the ball the chick, girl. I don't think she likes boys. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I, I just, I never thought that she did. But hey, I'm glad they, you know, you kind of clarified that for us. That was nice. Yes. You know, it's, Joe has always been a tomboy. She's always been mm -hmm. the tomboy. She's obviously the streetwise girl from the Bronx, very resourceful, very no-nonsense. And um, as a result, at times, the writing has veered into the territory of her being dismissive of boys, and not from a lesbianic sense, but from a, a sense of, I don't, you know, boys girls lose their mind around boys girls her age are obsessed with boys and she's too smart for that she comes from I, as we call you know the the, the streets of hard knocks you yeah. know so so in yeah. her mind she's like thinking i don't got time for boys i'm out here doing my thing you yeah. know she she's all to me she comes across as very independent you yeah. know and, and as, a, as a you know as a young girl that age can be i guess mm -hmm. you know in a way and that's it, and that's why. But very much a lot of the other things, like that she likes bike riding and can fix cars and dresses in camouflage. There are a lot of uh, not-too-subtle lesbianic factors at play here. But Joe is, in fact, heterosexual. She does date boys throughout the series, and she does, uh, of all the girls, she is the one that gets married first. Mm. Mm. And in the final season, there is a big episode that is Joe's wedding. Uh, and so, and, and, and a man, she marries a man. I have to point wow. out. <laughs> wow. I didn't know she got married in the series. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. So she is with this guy named Bill, a very tall, handsome, blonde drink of water. Yummy. As far as I'm concerned. He is very attractive. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, his name is uh, the actor playing Bill, this boy that Joe is clearly kissing goodnight after a date. His name is Peter Nelson. And he has quite a few credits. He's still working, it seems, but the credits are somewhat sporadic. There isn't one definitive thing that he did other than that I can find is he was on the paper chase in the later 80s. 
And that was a show with John Hauserman as a, like a college professor. And it was on a network. And then I think it got canceled. And then a couple of years later, Showtime, which was a new thing, trying to compete with the, with the home box office, Showtime started producing its own series. And it picked it back up. And they started remaking new paper chases in the later 80s mm. with, with Hausman and um, uh, this guy and some others. So uh, now there is talk as they're finishing out this date and thank you. And they went to a movie of some sort. And uh, he says, so uh, what's the deal? Why haven't I met your roommates yet or your friends? You talk about them, but I've not met them yet. And Joe is like, uh, you know, they snoop a lot and I'm private and I'd never hear the end of it. And I just want to uh, enjoy this right now kind of privately. Which and, I get as, as an independent woman, I get that because, you know, you, cause maybe you want to have your own, you know, uh, I, I want to say a secret, but you just want, you kind of just want to ha- develop things on your own without having other opinions, mm-hmm. you know, about, 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 uh, your relationship. So I get that. I, I mean, I, I hear you girl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If I, if I go out on a couple of dates, I can't tell my sister. Otherwise, she will be so excited for me and start asking me a bajillion questions. And suddenly there's a lot of pressure that you yes. don't want to have. And it's like, no, no, I put enough pressure on myself when I'm lucky enough to find someone who will date me. So um, I get it as far as, hey, let's, let's wait and see if this is going to stick. It's, it's kind of like waiting till the second or third trimester, you know? Yeah, exactly. But the big thing that comes out is that Joe really likes this guy. And it's because she says explicitly to him, because you're the only normal guy I've met at Langley. You're not a lockjaw son of a millionaire is what she implies, uh, like a Thurston Howell III. And most of the guys at the college are rich nerds because Langley, where they go, by the way, um, Faith, is an, it's an Ivy League college. I kind of got a sense of that when she said that. I was like, okay, this college must be like very prestigious, very smart, maybe, you know, rich, richer, you know, type of people that go to this school. So yes, in fact, when we first learn of the existence of this fictional Langley College, it's, uh, it is held up in the same regard as Wellesley and Smith. Okay, so there and you those go. Were, those were Blair's choices. And of the three, Wellesley and Smith, fuck those places. Langley, that is the awesomest of those three schools. Right. So very Ivy League, certainly not a place where poor kids go. And again, like at Eastland, Joe is there on scholarship. And pretty much on that note, just that they, it's clear he is smitten with her. And Joe says, you know, I, I like, she kind of hesitates. And finally she does say, I like you a lot. And then they kiss again and the scene ends and you're just like, oh. Yes. It's like, oh, young love. So cute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And by the way, his 1980s feathered hair is on point. He looks awesome. Yeah, he does. So then we move on to the next scene, and we are in the store. Edna's Edibles is in full swing. We've got customers coming and going. And among those customers, there is a young adolescent girl with uh, short, dark hair. We will be meeting her shortly. But Blair has pom-poms, and she is urging Joe, come on, come to the pep rally with me. All you do every night is go to the library. You are studying too much. You're not having enough fun, and you need to do this. Faith, 
are pep rallies a college thing or is that I, a high school I, I feel like it was more high school. I, I don't, I don't, I, we, well, also you're asking someone who went to a musical theater conservatory. So we, <laughs> we, we, I mean, we had a football team, but mm, they weren't really that good. Uh, but in high school and, and middle school was pep rallies were a big thing. I just don't think that we, I don't think that was a thing in college, but you know, maybe, maybe that's what they did. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, according to Wikipedia, a pep rally or pep assembly is a gathering of people, typically students of middle school, high school, and college age, before a sports event. The purpose of such a gathering is to encourage school spirit and to support members of the team, generally seen as an American phenomenon. Okay, okay so college. Okay, great. So it is college. I, I went to a liberal arts college. I went to UMass at Amherst, and we had a full sports program. Not that I was aware of much of it, but I don't ever remember pep rallies being a thing in my college years, but um, clearly I'm wrong. So, uh, all right, Facts of Life writers, I was going to, you were going to get a wag of the finger there, but you, you get a pass. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, blah, 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 blah. So, Blair, um, so quickly we learned through this is that the ruse that Joe has been putting forth is that she has been studying so hard. That's why we don't see her. That's why the girls don't see her at night. So Blair is getting after her about this all work and no play sort of a thing. But we're going, right. oh, we know what's been happening, really. Oh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then this adolescent girl who is over at the far camera stage, left camera, right rack, Joe quickly hones in on her and is like, hey. And she says, look with your eyes and not your hands and pulls something out of her hand that she's about to slip into her coat. And Joe quickly discovers this girl has several things in her jacket and on her person that she is about to shoplift. And this girl is the girl we just saw in the opening credits. So this Yes, is, the, the, the new girl that you don't like. <laughs> I hate her. Isn't she stealing? Um, and, uh, and there's a later episode where she steals again and actually threatens Blair. We're not going to oh. go there. It's like, you do not threaten my Blair. That is not <laughs> happening. I will not tolerate that. So um, Blair says, well, we should call the police. And Joe, basically, <laughs> Joe, street justice. She's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to tell you, get out of here. Don't ever let me see you here again. And just because we have these vaudevillian writers who love getting in the, the odd one-liner, Joe says, there's a bus coming down the street in 10 minutes. Be under it. I remember that. Oh, my God. When Aha! I watched that, when I saw that, I died. Because I was like, oh, these, all these old one-liners. I love it. It's just yes. so funny. <laughs> and there's a lot of it. Because in the 70s into the 80s is this weird carryover point of old show business. Mm -hmm. like the like the we're talking like the the founding fathers at the dawn of television where you know in the late 70s you could watch the donnie and marie variety show and they would have charo and milton burl on at the same time and it was just like you know really new comedy, really old comedy so there's still a lot of that in the sitcom writing is these sort of set up punchline ha jokes I love it. I love the one-liners. <laughs> yeah. And they're, the girls are good at delivering them. They really are. Mm -hmm. um, so Blair complains again and leaves. And just as Blair leaves, in come Tootie and Natalie. 
And uh, the long and short of it is, uh, as Blair is saying, oh, see if you can talk some sense into her since she works so much. Tutti and Natalie are like, mm-mm, we are not having it. We know something is going on and that you're lying. And yes. They produce, is it a baggie that they have the popcorn in? Yeah, I think, yes, I think it is. Yes, yes. It's like mm-hmm. exhibit A, a piece of popcorn. This is the kind <laughs> of popcorn one typically finds at a movie theater. I just think it's funny that they found the pop, the one popcorn kernel. <laughs> I know. Like put it, it's they like, put it in the Ziploc. <laughs> so basically, Tootie and Natalie are like, typically, just as Joe said, they're being nosy like, who is he? We want details. The library closes at 10. You didn't get home till midnight last night. We know you've not been at the library. What's going on? And Joe basically says, nope, private, not telling, not sharing. So while they've been having this conversation, some customers have come and gone. And Joe, in her need to say, okay, fuck off, I'm not telling you. I'm going to go right. meet on the customer. Well, it's a tall, handsome, blonde man at the counter. It is Bill. With the good hair. Mm. <laughs> oh, she is so attractive. But um, so no sooner do Tootie and Natalie walk out and leave Joe and Bill alone. Bill leans over for a kiss, and it's like, oh. He's like, what are you doing here? I didn't want you to, and he's like, no, I just wanted to see you. And they go to kiss again, and just as they go to kiss, Natalie comes barreling through the door, perfect timing, interrupting it. And they catch her. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so we think this is gonna work. Joe's about to say like, you know, thank Mm -hmm. you, sir, goodbye. And then in comes Mrs. Garrett. These are the moments where I need some logistical explanations. And Mrs. Garrett comes in the front door, dressed in her pink uh, sweatsuit, her pink workout suit. And she says, sorry, I'm late. I got held up in an aerobics class. And uh, here's the thing. They live there. They live there and they work there. And Mrs. Garrett owns the shop. So, sorry I'm late doesn't wash. You're the boss. You come and go as you freaking damn well please. But if you just got held up in an exercise class, then you'd want to come home and clean up. Why didn't she come home by way of the back of the house where you live? Why come in the front of the store other than we need her to come in the front of the store for the purpose of this plot? Basically. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. Also, she looked... She looked very put together for her coming from an aerobics class. I'm just going to point that out. Yeah, when she I, walked in and she said that, I was like, she wasn't sweating much because the girlfriend got, <laughs> girlfriend's hair is looking good. Her makeup is on. Like, it's just, big, I was like, okay. Her teased up do was looking great. And right. I really love her hair. I will keep saying that all season. I love her Oh, hair. yeah, no. Her hair is fabulous, yes. But the thing is, and, and on top of that, um, just something to point out. 1983, aerobics was a new term. That was a new thing. Like there were always exercise and there was always, you know, aerobic existed as a form of exercise. But the idea of there being a, a not a gym where muscle heads lifted weights, the idea of an exercise place that you would go to do like the Jane Fonda workout. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's probably Jane Fonda who's the one that kind of popularized it. But the idea of this is, oh, I can go to a class or watch a VHS tape with, you know, higher impact movement to get the heart rate up. 
and so you know aerobics was the new you know let's get physical it was oh yeah fairly new in the early 80s so very of its time <laughs> uh -huh. so um mrs garrett no sooner does she come in and she says uh, so, Joe, did you enjoy the movie last night that you went to? And how are called her right out? I I died at that. I was like, leave it to her to call her out for all her friends. Like, it was mm -hmm. so funny, so funny. So, Tootie and Natalie are like, what? You lying liar, like a lying thing. So, Joe has to come clean. She's like, it's just this guy I'm seeing, and that's great. And, oh, and does, does he invite her? I guess he invites her. That's the one thing I missed earlier. He invites her to come to dinner because his he parents are unexpectedly popping into town. Correct. He, he said, I want you to meet my parents. She, and, and she, I think she's a little reluctant, but she, you know, she's, she goes, obviously. We'll, we'll yeah. get there, but yeah. But yeah. Because yeah. there's a sense of him being, that's great. You're going to find, they're going to love you kind of a thing. Right. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. Everything seems great. And then Blair was like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was Bill Smith that just left here. Is, are you dating him? B the Bill Smith? And Joe's like, um, yeah. And she's like, and you're meeting his parents? You're meeting Ambassador Smith and Justice Smith? They are rich, like crazy Richie McRichton millionaire multi-people. I didn't use my words very well then, but that's a paraphrase <laughs> of what Blair just said. So very quickly, Blair is like, holy shit, how in the world did you snag him? And Joe was like, whoa, he did not tell me anything. Which, of course, you can see Joe's like posture just go like shrinking down, mm -hmm. you know, as she's yeah. finding this information out, you know, yeah. poor thing. So you can absolutely see that this is uh, a thing. And... Um, and so she's like, well, I don't know what to do. And it's like, you're going to go and have dinner with them. And Joe's like, but, you know, uh, does, does Joe say, what if I do the wrong thing? Or does, I think it's Blair who's like, well, if you're going to have dinner with them, you're going to need some help. You it's Blair because like, we're going to get there. But remember how she's helping her. And she kind of yeah. implies that Joe needs to, needs to basically fix herself up a little bit before she yes. goes to have dinner with them. And as yes. we go to commercial, Blair is like, don't worry, Joe, you have me. I'm going to give you some clothes. I'm going to help you with your hair, tips on small talk. I'm going to make you beautiful. I'm going to make you perfect. I'm going to make you popular. Popular. It's a very <laughs> wicked moment to me. It I is. Like <laughs> it's very, very Belinda Elphaba. <laughs> but the last line she says is, I'll make you me. <laughs> yep which we know from the characters is literally the last thing Joe ever aspires or would ever want to be. So well, they're complete opposites. I mean, exactly. you know, and we've been living with this now for the last three years. So that's the beauty of good writing when you're writing and you know the characters so well. And uh, with that cliffhanger of, oh my God, uh, we go to commercial. And now Faith, when uh, we're at our commercial break, I like to take a moment and get to know my guests a little bit. Okay. So, you are an amazing actress, singer, musical theater, improviser, funny lady. You are the whole package. Oh, and well, start. <laughs> <laughs> I say that all the time. But, I uh, know. That's why I stole it from you. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, 
Um, I like to ask people kind of what their journey is. You are a full-time performer at, uh, at one of the major theme parks here in town. And uh, let's uh, leave us turn back the clock. Faith Bowles, where were you born? <laughs> well, David, thank you so much for those compliments. It's really sweet. Um, it, it, I, I, been, I always tell people I'm just riding the wave and I'm very grateful and I, I feel um, very excited and very happy to be riding this wave and it's mm -hmm. been a great, it's a great experience, but I, I'm, I'm in Georgia, so I grew up in Georgia, Savannah, mm -hmm. Georgia, beautiful town, four and a half hours away from Orlando. If you, you guys should come visit. It's very pretty, nice little weekend trip, but... Is it, is it Savannah? Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, about four and a half hours. Okay. No, Savannah, Georgia, right, right on the coast. Um, yeah, right, right north of right north of Florida. Yeah, you just hop over oh, the, yeah. the, the border from going up ninety five, and you're there. Mm hmm. Yep. And uh, grew up here. Went to farming arts high school. Went to college in Virginia, a small conservatory, Shenandoah Conservatory of Music. Went there mm -hmm. for have a bachelor of fine arts in musical theater and opera performance. And mm -hmm. after that, I just became a professional actor. I've been in the business for 12 years. Um, um, what brought you to Orlando? How did you, did you just audition and they hire you? Did that, did Disney bring you here? Um, I worked for Celebrity Cruise Lines uh, and f back in 2012. I'm um, after I met a good friend of mine. Um, he's an actor, a local actor in Orlando. His name is Zach Nadolsky. Um, he was so my Wonder, he's wonderful, sweet man, very talented, very, I need very to talented. Get him and uh, we his met... husband on this show very soon. I keep saying that. Oh my God, Kurt would I die know. to be I on this show. Oh is... my gosh, yes, they would love that. Um, so, uh, but yes, yeah, so I met Zach, um, and he was living here in Orlando. We talked about it. I did. I went off and did a really quick contract in West Virginia, and then I moved here and. I was like, I'm just going to move down for a couple of months and just see how it goes. <laughs> like so many. Like and so then many. Se se seven years later, here I am. Um, and I knew I always wanted to work for Disney. It was one of those things that I was like in the back of my brain mm -hmm. when I was doing my regional theater circuit for those 10 years. Um, and because Disney was, I've always been a Disney fanatic. And Disney is kind of my version of Broadway, I guess, in a way. So. It's the Broadway yeah. of the South, really. Yeah, really yeah. So, I'm, I'm not being yeah. is when I say that. It no, really I agree. As as I agree. And um, I'm really, you know, I love my life in Orlando. I've worked a lot of regional theaters, too, in the area. And, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I, that's kind of my deal. I'm full-time at the Hoopty Doo Musical Review. And, mm -hmm. and you're and, at uh, Nemo with our wonderful friend Paul yes. Padilla. Yes, I'm over at Nemo as well. And I also sub over at the Frozen Sing-Along. And, um so mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 great and i've met some awesome people like you david so oh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we met doing the um the hollywood film crew at hollywood studios yes. doing yes. that in our red shirts and our red baseball caps yes that was my first my first gig at disney and i i i learned so much from just honestly just being in that trailer i mean yes i learned mm. a lot on set but just being around so many amazing improv actors oh my gosh like i just yeah. felt so grateful to like just watch you know mm -hmm. um the cool thing about acting is not always the learning experience is not necessarily always being on stage it's about what you're learning in rehearsal or what you're learning backstage and you know as okay. well so um so it was mm -hmm. i it was really cool really yeah. cool 
And, and what, what Faith is talking about is that the Hollywood film crew was an offshoot of the citizens of Hollywood. So the two shared a break space and shared many actors, myself included. And uh, yeah, well, one thing I've uh, pointed out to more than one person about uh, how impressed I always am with your talents, Faith, is that in within, I think, a month, I saw you in two different shows. I saw you play Sarah in Ragtime, the Audra McDonald role, mm-hmm. and then uh, turned right around and saw you do Gary Coleman in Avenue Q. Yes. Yeah, that ain't range. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> is. <laughs> I, I I learned very quickly that summer that I am not a superhuman, and I <laughs> probably shouldn't do two uh, side projects at the same time while mm. working my Disney job. That was a crazy summer. I mean, very different parts of my range: singing I mean, soprano and then having to belt. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah it was crazy. But they both were. They were both terrific productions, and you were fantastic in them as I've told Thank you before. You. So I am thrilled to have you and your talented awesomeness joining me on this silly little shit show of a podcast that I put on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying it. It's so great. I love Good. it. I'm glad. I'm so glad. Well, now we have to come back now from this cliffhanger about what is Joe going to do in the face of the horrible fate of maybe having a super crazy fucking rich boyfriend. So we begin with uh, Mrs. Garrett trying to get the girls to go to some auction. There's no real purpose for it other than there's a place we need to be, but Tootie and Natalie are like, but we want to see what Blair has done with Joe. We want to be here for the big reveal. And we finally do get the moment. And I've got to say, our new set on the Facts of Life, it's got a staircase and I love me a staircase for dramatic effect when you're talking someone making an entrance. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh. I love it too. I love a good entrance too. So I, yes, I'm all about it. <laughs> and Joe comes out wearing this beautiful navy blue and black striped dress. With the sleeves. I noticed the sleeves, it, like the shoulders, Puffy. you know? Yes. It's so funny because my sister, who, um, I have a sister who's 10 years older than me. Oh. Um, and um, I remember her prom dress <laughs> <laughs> had the big puffy, oh, the yeah. big puffy sleeves. And it kind of reminded me of her, of her prom dress when she was in high school. It was, it was very, very funny. <laughs> but here is an interesting factoid about this dress. We have seen this dress before, Faith. There was an episode of The Facts of Life, season four, episode 13, called Magnificent Obsession, where Blair wore that dress. So this is bona fidely Blair's dress that she's lending Joe. Yes, she's letting her borrow it for this occasion. I mean, there are so many costuming fails and prop fails in this show. I was like, this is a win. This is off the charts. Yes. And the great thing is that it looks great on her. She looks it amazing. Does. She really does. And I, I was, when she came down the stairs, I was like, this girl got a body. She got, okay, girl. Like she mm-hmm. got curves and everything. And <laughs> yeah. She, she looks great. She yeah, really it's, does. It's flattering. And we've also, for the first time, we've, we've seen Nancy McKeon's hair down. She actually had it down at the beginning of the episode for the date. But Joe, I mean, even her high school graduation, Joe had that ponytail in. But this is the first time we've seen this hair 
but really done. Like we're, you can tell it's been set, it's been teased, and it is 80s-tastic and big and, again, super flattering. She looks amazing. She really does. She looks gorgeous. Yeah, maybe a little too much makeup, but that was the 80s. A lot of girls, they were trying to over-accentuate the femininity of this versus Joe's typical non-feminine side that we see. And and that was also Blair's influence, I feel, too, on her, to, you know, to kind of, like, try to be, like, you need to be completely different from yourself kind of feel, you know, mm -hmm. with putting on that, all that makeup. Yes. So... Before they leave, though, Blair, huh, with the best of intentions, is trying to tell Joe, basically, don't be yourself. Whatever you do, don't screw up. Don't talk about this. Don't say wanna, say want to. She's like, stop, don't do this, don't do that. Otherwise, they're going to think you're from the Bronx. And Joe is like, I am from the Bronx. <laughs> and uh, Blair says, don't take your shoes off under the table. Don't pick your teeth. If they ask for details, about your life, give them mine. <laughs> I, think I remember, yes, that line killed me too. That yeah. was very funny. <laughs> yeah, and the last line is, well, if you were yourself, you would ruin everything. It's like, I know. I was like, oh my God. Wow. I, I, I thought that was really intense. I was like, oh boy, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, they all leave to go to this important auction. Again, it's like, whatever. And then Joe is left alone, kind of the, Gypsy Rosalie, Mama, I'm a pretty girl, Mama, kind of yes. like looking at herself in the mirror moment. And she's just looking and thinking. And then we dissolve to the restaurant. And while we see Bill with his parents sitting at the table, and there's a maitre d' and it's fancy, in walks Joe. How does she look, Faith? <sighs> I mean, you know, her hair is in a ponytail. She's in her, her, her jeans and her open shirt. And she's not wearing the dress anymore. You know, she's got all the makeups off. And she's mm -hmm. back to her ways. But she's, I think she's putting on airs a little bit. She's, she's going a little bit, little bit more over the top, you know. Exactly. That's what's uh, coming into play here. And I want to point out specifically that Joe is wearing uh, an army green t-shirt and a camouflage jacket over the army t-shirt. So <laughs> she clearly doesn't fit in, but in meeting Bill and talking to the parents, she leans hard into being extra streetwise, extra coarse without being rude. No, she's not rude at all. She, no. She's being very respectful. She's just pitting, she's very over the top in her antics. Yeah, he says, these are my parents. She's like, hey, how you doing, mom? What's up, pops? Right. And, so, I hear you folks have more money than God. And, hey, waiter, who do you have to know around here to get some chow? It's all that type of thing. And I'm aware I sound like Bowser from Sha Na Na when I do my dance impression. <laughs> she is doing it here, too. She's doing her impression Bowser from Sha Na Na. Um, the two actors playing the parents are delightful character actors that we have seen in a million things. We cannot name one of them. Uh, it's, his, his name is Frank Alletter, or a letter, A-L-E-T-T-E-R. Um, he passed away in 2009. He was briefly married to Lee Merriweather. Oh, okay, wow. She's like, wow. And uh, the mother is Joan Freeman. She is actually still alive, though she hasn't worked. At, I don't see any credits beyond the mid-90s. But they are, again, they're people that They've got a million credits, and you can't name a single one of them. 
and uh, neither of them seem to have a specific series or movie that you could uh, quickly lock in and identify them with. And they're delightful. They play them so perfectly pleasant. They're, they're not like, well, hello, darling. My, what an interesting outfit. Nothing like that. They are down to earth, sweet, yeah. and tolerant of Joe. They're like, we don't know what's happening here, but we are being perfectly nice. But they are, you know what I think they are, Faith? They're the good millionaires. Which, you know, I was kind of, was not expecting that. I was, I was, when, when he said, when he asked her in the previous scene to cut, to come, or two scenes ago, when he asked her to come to dinner with, with him to meet uh, his parents, I thought they were going to be like snobby and, you know, kind of rich and just mean no. to her. But I was very pleasantly surprised uh, yeah. to see how welcoming they were with her. Yeah. And as I'm constantly analyzing and criticizing the writing of this show, this is another win for me because absolutely the yes. whole idea is that Joe being so tightly wound up and nervous and therefore stepping outside of who she is because she's nervous about this. I think it was smart to make it so that, oh, she had nothing to worry about. She could have just gone not as Blair's version of her and not as this overly Bronx version of her. She just could have been herself and it would have been fine. Right. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's a sad truth about it, but I, I think that's the right way it should have been. Right. Absolutely. So um, then the, the scene ends. When she did walk in, I was a little bit like, had my hands up near my eyes. Like, oh, is this going to be really embarrassing? Is she going to really embarrass herself? And thankfully, she doesn't, and the scene doesn't go on for too long so that we can now go back to the store. We're back at Edna's Edibles now. And uh, Tootie and Natalie and Blair are all abuzz. They're like, Joe just got up and we, we don't want to ask her. We're afraid to ask her. We're afraid she's going to bite our head off and we ask her what went wrong. And well, you ask her. And I'm not going to ask her. You ask her. Hey, Blair, you ask her. <laughs> Finally, Joe walks in and they just look at her and she says, I don't want to talk about it. And no sooner do they like, sort of, there's no real time for a reaction of them like, well, well, okay. And in comes Bill. Bill shows up at the store, comes in the front door. And uh, how is he dressed? Tell us, tell us a little bit about uh, what he's, who he's dressed as, Faith. I don't remember, Dave. You're going to have to help me. What, what was he wearing? Was um, that the jacket? I can't remember. Bill is in a full tuxedo from head that's, to toe. Yes, that's right. Yes, 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 and he is. Yes, yes, yes. A, um, and not just a, uh, like, I'm, I'm going out for a night on the town, black tie and tails or thing. He is in, he, he looks like Freddie from My Fair Lady. He looks like he's dressed for Ascot. That's he? right. Yes, like he does. Thing. Okay. Yes. That, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yes, he is. He's I in have full gear. walked down the street <laughs> before. He's in full gear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. And so uh, very quickly, she's like, what is going on? He says, I just thought I'd pop in and say cheerio and pip pip. And <laughs> Joe, in a little weird leap, she's like, what are you trying to do? Make me look like a fool in front of everybody? And I'm like, I don't really think that's what is happening here. But okay, that's what needs to happen. Because dialogue-wise, his response is, well, you did the same thing last night, you realize. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what? I was just being myself. 
And uh, at this point, Mrs. Garrett is also there. So Mrs. Garrett is overhearing this. And he says two things. He says, well, gee, after you told my father how he was personally responsible for the hostage crisis, that was a big thing in the early 80s was the, the hostage mm-hmm. crisis. Uh, and then and, and he says, and this is where writers, really, come on. He says, and then my mother loved it when you lit up a cigar after dinner. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> we just got outside. I feel like it should have been more like a cigarette. I think it would have been better if the writing was like a, she lit up a cigarette rather than a cigar. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Or anything. But I don't think either of those things was appropriate. That's where, okay, we have just stepped outside the realm of plausibility because <laughs> she didn't go get a cigar. Why would she do, why would she take it that far? That's a little crazy. Yeah. So that bothered me. That's, that's one thing I would change about this episode. But um, Joe storms out back to the house and says, look, you know what? I don't need this. You can stick with your debutantes. Have a nice life. So then Mrs. Garrett, comes in to the back. She follows her back there. And they're talking, <laughs> Mrs. Garrett with the wisdom of the ages. This is now the point where we get the beautiful <sighs> wisdom from your elder. She always has the best advice, I feel like. She always. Yes, that's, that's her purpose <laughs> on the show. And mm-hmm. by the way, I will be doing my bad Mrs. Garrett impression. Feel free to join me with yours along the way if you are so inspired <laughs> at some point. Uh, <laughs> So Mrs. Garrett says to her, okay, what happened? What was that that he was talking about? And Joe's like, nothing. I just gave him a good dose of the real me. And Mrs. Garrett, that doesn't sound like the real you at all. (laughs) Yes. That's the perfect sitcom Mrs. Garrett-like wisdom. That doesn't sound like you at all. and, uh, and Joe was like, yeah, well, you know, they say you can take the girl out of the Bronx. You can't take the Bronx out of the girl. And, and the Mrs. girl, yes. And Mrs. Garrett's like, uh, you know, Joe, that doesn't wash anymore. And she doesn't say it outwardly, but it's the idea of, you know, you've grown and matured a lot. You've been out yes. of the Bronx long enough that I, Mrs. Garrett basically says, I call bullshit. AKA, you know better and you know how to act. So why are you acting like this? Yeah. And she says explicitly, you could have done fine without anybody's help. And she says, Joe says, well, what, was he ashamed and that's why he didn't tell me? And Mrs. Garrett's like, why don't you ask? (laughs) David, this this impression is killing me. (laughs) It's like she's dead, isn't it? It's like... She's risen from the dead. God rest her soul. Um, so uh, anyhow, basically, she says, it's that thing of like, the, the, the modern term of it is, use your words. I, ask him. Fucking ask mm-hmm. him. So she goes back out to the store, and, and it's kind of a, a light joke where she says, why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him what he was thinking? And she was like, mm-hmm. okay. She walks out into the store right up to him. What were you thinking? <laughs> I and love then, that part. That was, that was funny to me. <laughs> and this is Garrett says, girls, um, get to work. They're just literally standing around waiting to see what shit goes down. But, um, and Joe says, what? Is there some reason? What reason could there be that you didn't tell me other than my past? And he says, my past? That's why I didn't tell you. 
And he says, all my life, people have liked me. Um, I'm paraphrasing here. People have only liked me because of my money and because of my family. And Joe says, well, I'm not like that. And he says, no, you're worse. You're basically prejudiced automatically against rich people. You've always said, all Langley guys are rich nerds. And she says, well, they are. And he's like, well, I'm the biggest one of them all. And I don't want you to think that about me. So this is one of those romantic comedy tropes where as they're having this conversation, the strangers, complete strangers in the store, are suddenly involved and watching. I know, I noticed that too. I was like, why is everybody listening to their conversation? They suddenly have a stake in this and they're like, you know, back and forth, the tennis match of heads bobbing back and forth kind of a thing. And so slowly the store is getting interested and finally, um, I think it's Natalie that says, okay, they're like, what are you looking at? And Natalie says, it's not very often we get to see a summit talk between Fred Astaire and Fidel Castro. <laughs> and, oh, oh, I forgot to point out that this is the next day. So Joe has mixed it up fashion-wise. Remember, she had on an army green t-shirt and the mm-hmm. camouflage jacket. Now she's yep. got a camouflage t-shirt and an army green jacket. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mix it up, girl. <laughs> And then Joe, to get away from all the nosy people, says, do you want to go for a walk? And he says, yeah, come on, Fidel. I'll buy you a cigar. (laughs) Please frame roll credits. Right? Oh, my gosh. I love it. This, I, I got to say, I love this episode. Those were just minor gripes I had. But I really, I really think this is one of one of the better episodes I've seen in a long time. I like this episode too. I, I like I like the lesson in it. I like the lesson in, in the episode a lot. And and I, I like that he came in in his full tuxedo, you know, and kind of just played it played it and like her version of the night, but like in his world, you yeah, know, kind of show her, her own medicine. Yes, to show mm-hmm. how ridiculous she was being. Yeah, and yeah I, I loved it. It was great. And I have to say, in my super hyper analytical brain, there was a part of me that was like, is this just treading the same ground of Joe is lower class and people around her are rich and blah, blah. We, is, this, is this just the same thing? And I thought, you know what? No, it is not. Because she's been dealing with Blair all these years. And because she goes to the girls' school, she's been able to avoid the boy factor to some extent. But now she's at a co-ed college. Now she's meeting guys and she's encountering it from the opposite gender. And with that, now being around boys more, now there's more opportunities to date and start uh, circulating that way. So I thought, no, this is, this is good. This is the right timing because she's only been in college for a couple months at this point. This is this was the right time for this episode to happen and it didn't feel old hat it did feel like a new fresh approach to similar character struggles that we've already been dealing with so mm-hmm. i give it i give it two thumbs up from me yes i i me too and i i, I liked uh well i i liked that he told her he was like hey i didn't tell you because you know i get judged too and i didn't want you yeah. to feel you know, I didn't want you to judge me by my money. I didn't want you to date me because I'm rich or that I'm the ambassador's son. Like, you know, and I thought yeah. that was a really good spin. 
Um, exactly. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I because, really did. Yeah, you know, rich white people really have a tough time in this country. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> As I think, I think it was SNL was like rich white people with problems. That was like a skip. Yes, it was like yes. a skip that they did or something. Yeah. Uh huh. It's so it's so true. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you so much for hopping on the phone and giving me your afternoon time here, and coming to be on the show. I've been wanting to get you on for a while, and I'm so happy we finally got it to work out. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. It's always good to talk to you, and I miss you, friend. We need to hang out when all this is over. We keep saying on this, I keep saying, I miss your face. We say that all the time, like when we text, and it's like, I get to see your face, but I miss your face, your actual face. Not your face. Exactly. So, thank you again so much, my dear smooches, and goodbye. Bye. And there you have it. That was Faith Bowles. Oh, sound quality just hurts my heart. Oh, it's just terrible. And I apologize again. I hope you were able to enjoy it on some level. The quality of the sound and the recording has always been important to me. So it's uh, definitely something I don't take lightly. And I most certainly have learned my lesson. And we will not let that happen again. Next week, I'm going to be watching Season 5, Episode 5, What Price Glory. And you can watch the episode for free on the Roku channel or at dailymotion.com. Check out the links in the show notes or on the webpage for this episode, and they will get you where you need to go. That's all for now. As always, thank you for listening. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle Face the Facts Pod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash face the facts pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>